Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics for an honest conversation. And this week we're going to be looking at conscious parenting. And I'm going to be talking to Dr. Shafali, who has a PhD, which she received in clinical psychology from Columbia University. She specializes in the integration of Western psychology and Eastern philosophy. She brings together the best of both worlds for her clients. She is an expert in family dynamics and personal development and runs a private practice in New York. She has written four books, which blows my mind, three of which are New York Times bestsellers, including two books, which really are landmark publications, The Conscious Parent and The Awakened Family. She's been a keynote speaker at at TEDx and the Dalai Lama Center and Oprah Winfrey is one of her biggest fans. I'm just going to flash her book that we're going to be talking about today, The Parenting Map, which I've been when I'm doing one of those things, I've been reading it for the last week and trying to read it as I go to bed and then wanting to kind of highlight bits and, and make notes of bits. It's like, this is really lovely to be taking this in as I go to sleep, but it's it's been setting my brain off. It's an unbelievable piece of work. Oh, good. I'm so happy it's resonating. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. I always start with three quite silly questions, if you don't mind, and then we'll get into some more proper conversation. My three more lightweight questions are, how are you really? What star sign are you? And what is your favourite crisp? Crisp? What's crisp? Oh, like potato chip, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You're adorable. Okay, so how am I really? Uh, Well, right now you're catching me... uh, really in the throes of my book launch. So I'm definitely feeling the the pressure and the overwhelm of a very harrowing schedule. Um, but I'm also trying to see the beauty in it. So I always try to stay grounded in the beauty and the privilege that I get to be overwhelmed uh, around something so beautiful. It's nothing taxing. It's really something beautiful. So I always try to keep perspective. What was the second question? Star sign. Oh, my star sign is uh, I'm a Cancer. Um, my birthday's in June. And the third question is I like all potato chips. Uh, the spicier, the better. Buffalo, sour, sour cream, onion, all those flavors. <laughs> the really yeah. pungent, spicy ones. Exactly. I've never met a crisp or a potato chip that I didn't like. That, that's kind of the nice sense. universal thing of it. So we're going to be talking about conscious parenting. Explain to me what that means and also, I think, significantly how that differs from traditional parenting. Great. So traditional parenting is what you and I were raised in. It's what's the mainstream parenting model out there that you as a parent, you know best. Your children are yours. You get to own them. You get to control them. And uh, of course, no parent likes to say they're controlling, but that's just the, the subconscious ingrained model that we have indoctrinated without even realizing. And it's a model based on fear, shaming, blaming, guilting, and then this so-called glorious thing in parenting called parental discipline, right? We've created a whole in- industry around it. There are books on it, uh, how to do it, and all of that is really in my opinion, toxic, dysfunctional, and needs a new model, a revamp, a rebirth. And that's what conscious parenting is. It's a whole new revolutionarily different way to raise your children. And the main premise of conscious parenting is that the parent needs to really parent themselves. In traditional parenting, the focus of the parenting is the child. Fix the child, control the child, take the child to the therapist, medicate the child. And that child-centered focus is really 
um, very obsessive and dysfunctional and toxic for the child and the parent. This model, the conscious parenting model, is about the parent parenting themselves and coming from a place of wholeness, which then allows the child to blossom in their wholeness. Yeah, it's, uh, there's a piece of language you say about we have to remember, A, that a child is is an inherently different thing to an adult, and it, it and it's so easy to forget that. And also the clue is in that it's parenting. The, the, the onus is on us, not them. Correct. It's not called childing, or like <laughs> one of my friends said, kidding. It's called parenting. So, hey, let's parent ourselves. And the reason we yell and scream and are, you know, rageful is nothing to do with the child. And we blame the child just ad nauseum because we are allowed to. You see, this is the uh, manic delusion of the parent and the parent's ego is that we've been told you possibly are not wrong. So it has to be the child. So, yeah, scream at the child, yell at the child, punish the child in whatever way you like, because it's never you. And my model really tips that on its head and parents don't like it. But as a clinical psychologist, I can tell you, if the parent begins to just do it my way, (laughs) my way or the highway, they will really transform their parenting. And the children that they want in their fantasy will actually come about. The child who is secure, the child who is resilient, the child who is empowered will come into formation if the parent does what I say they should do in conscious parenting. So I know I'm sounding a bit dictatorial, uh, but I'm just tongue in cheek about that. But just really to challenge parents because parents are so caught up in their crap that they refuse to take accountability. But so much of the dysfunction comes in that lack of accountability. Do you think that the reason why that first year of parenting is so brutal apart from the obvious reasons of you know hormones and and sleep deprivation is because we are faced with with our own like ego of what we wanted for me the thing that fell apart in that first year was the realization that I did want to control that I tried to find I tried to google I tried to find a book I tried to find a routine that would make my firstborn be the baby that I I thought he was going to be So yes, the primary toxic belief system that we enter the parenting journey with is this idea that we have control, that we should have control, and we have every right to institute that control. And very quickly, the mother realizes especially, wow, I have zero control. But because we've been told we should have control, now we're just terrified to say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm clueless. My baby refuses to follow any command. And what the hell am I doing wrong? And and so we feel so ashamed and clueless and vulnerable in that cluelessness that we don't want to say it out loud. Um, And that's how we get set up on the wrong path. So what do we do with our frustrations? What do we do with our cluelessness? We yell at the baby. We, We turn that rage toward the poor child when it has nothing to do with the child. And, and it's, that's why it's so toxic. And, and that's just the beginning. I mean, then talk about the child not doing well in school and not having friends or be, being an introvert or not being good in math or social studies, not being athletic, not, uh, not following the rules, not being able to sit down for long periods of time. It just adds on and on and on. And we just keep adding on this pressure 
and this vulnerability and don't know how to seek the help we need. So my book, The Parenting Map, literally offers relief and a guide, a path, a guide that you can really get on the right track in your parenting and change the dynamic forever. I'm interested for you, though, on your personal journey, how much work and and being a conscious person had you done before you became a parent and and how did how did was that experience for you so you know the expectations are what set us up right so the expectation that i know best that i own my child that my child will be who i want it to be simply because i have thoughts that it should Right, we're never examining or, or checking any of these wild fantasies and expectations. So then the delta that occurs between our expectations and reality really is where the dysfunction happens. The greater the delta between expectation and reality, the greater the disorientation, the disheartening, depression, the uh, really this lackluster apathy, this, this total you know, frustration and cluelessness, and, and then the, the concomitant rage toward the child and resentment toward the partner and everything kind of falls apart. So how we start the journey sets us up for great desperation. And what my book does, The Parenting Map, is it sets us back on the right path and realigns us. And no matter how old your child is, we all need realignment. I talk about how children are not mini adults Children are children. That's a whole different beast. And if we keep thinking that they're mini adults, we're going to project our ways of thinking onto them. So if the two-year-old cries because, you know, the yellow socks were moved two inches and we think, what the hell? Like, what's wrong with you, two-year-old? Like, it's just moved two inches. Can you just relax? We won't understand that for a child, their jurisdiction is just socks and pebbles and stones and their Mm. toothpaste. Like, that's all they own. They're not going to talk about mortgages and marital issues. They, they just, they're going to just care about that. So we come from our adult mind. Then we impose our value judgments. And then we get very upset with them. And then what that does to the child is that it dislocates the child from their inner knowing. They're like, no, I care about my socks because that's all I have. But we're telling them, don't care. You're crazy. So look how we slowly, innocently, create this disconnection between ourselves and the child, but also within the child. Then the child grows up to be disoriented and discombobulated and unworthy. But what about those who say, I just want to love my child and and that should be enough? Well, uh, I wish love were enough. If love were enough, we wouldn't have divorce the way we do and we wouldn't have ego and we wouldn't have the ravaged earth that we live in. Obviously, every human being will say they love humanity, but yet we're ravaging the earth that feeds humanity. So love is just a very misused term, in my opinion. It's just a cover-up. And I often say love without consciousness is just possession, control, and dominance. You know, please don't love your children. Uh, Love them less. Love in the name of love has been all the horrors in the name of love for God has been all the horrors in the world. Mm. So how about we just drop that word because no one really understands what love means. True love is unconditional. True love is putting the needs of others along with yours, even if yours are not met. True love is never shaming. True love is never controlling. 
True love is freedom. And I don't think any of us love our children in the true love kind of way. Mm. We love our children with control, dominance, possession. So I tell parents, instead of loving your child, how about you just work on accepting and healing yourself? Because most of your baggage toward your child come from your broken self. Uh, they don't come from love for yourself. How many of us even love ourselves unconditionally? Yeah, that's the that's the the, the crux of it, isn't it? You, oh, everyone could say quite casually, "Oh, I love my child," but ask anyone say, "I, I love myself," and that they react in the way that I did, which is feel deeply uncomfortable about it. And yes, of course, we love our children in our imagined version of them, not when they're arguing about where their sock is and not when they go to bed it's like that they're the won't go to bed even that's the bit that is really difficult isn't it is when they're 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 existing outside of the version we thought they'd be exactly it's all about our projection it's all about our bullshit and we shouldn't call it love loving we should call it controlling (laughs) where are you controlling your child a little bit less today like that should be the hallmark of true love But we do it with everybody. We do it with ourselves because we don't love ourselves. We're controlling ourselves all the time too. And we're we're extremely self-loathing. And so we cannot love our children wholly and abundantly as long as we are loathing ourselves because eventually that which we loathe in ourselves, we will loathe in the other. There is just no way we will accept our child being, you know, um, loud or brash or not perfect if we don't first accept that within ourselves. And the more we loathe ourselves means the more we want ourselves to be perfect, right? We don't accept our limitations. So that which we deny in ourselves, when we see it in our child or our partner or someone else, we will deny in the other. And I saw myself doing this in my mothering, right? I was the sweet girl, the good girl, the compliant girl as a little child. I was quiet, always trying to contort my needs to to meet those of others. And when I saw my daughter adamantly and brashly refusing to do so, I didn't like it. I was like, I don't like her. And then it took a lot of soul searching to realize, oh, I don't like her because that's the part in me that I never allowed expression. So the part in me that I told to shush up and put into the backgrounds of my psyche, I now want her to do it to her psyche, but she's not wrong. It's just that I was told I was wrong when I did that as a child. Yeah, you're so right. It's, you're so right. I'm interested, though, the bit that I keep coming back to and getting confused in my mind is how you marry the ethos of wanting to be a conscious parent with the reality of, of put your shoes on, clean your teeth, make your bed, the the kind of gritty, very day-to-day, small minutiae of parenting. That's the bit that I... Yeah, I find challenging, I think. Yeah, and that's where our focus and presence comes into being. We parents, and our our understanding of children, we parents want to sit on the couch and shout out, go put on your shoes and then do your homework and then clean your room and then go to bed. (laughs) And, And it's like a magic wand, you know, because we think we're some corporate, you know, employers working with these minions in our factory. Children don't work like that. You know, they take a lot of work. They are pain in the ass in that way. Well, why did we have them? They take us getting off the couch, going to them in person, making eye contact, connecting, being creative. They aren't going to do anything you tell them to do. You know, who wants to do what all we tell them to do? 
Do your homework? Are you crazy? They don't want to do homework. They just were driven crazy for six hours at school. You have to go and connect. You have to go show up. You have to make, you know, make them, let them brush your teeth first. Maybe they'll be, have to brush all the doll, the dolls and the teddy bear's teeth, and then they'll brush their teeth. They don't want to do grown up stuff. And they don't naturally come into this world with this idea that brushing teeth is so good for my health. They don't understand it. Many of them mm -hmm. are scared of this toothpaste and the bubbles and children are scared of everything. We have to like transition them into every damn phase, but we think we can just drop them off to kindergarten and, oh, we can just go to work. No, no, no. You're going to pay a big price for thinking you can have a free day at work. You're going to have to work for weeks to get them comfortable into kindergarten, right? You have to do role playing with them. You have to be creative. You have to help them feel safe. Now what to do? This is the world we've created. Listen, if you lived like the nomadic tribes of way back when, there would be no school. So guess what? You wouldn't have to transition your kid anywhere. But then your kid would be with you all day long and you'd be a nomadic tribe out there. So you want this life, which is highly industrialized, highly structured. This life is not, you know, contoured for true untamed children. So you're trying to tame these beasts. Well, that takes a lot of work. You know, you're going to have to really buy them mm -hmm. into your structure, convince them that this is, you know, an amazing thing, which is, it's really not. So you're, you're going to have to do a lot of work. And then you have 10 activities every week. You know, our children cannot just be children and have hobbies. They have to have, you know, careers and be successful at playing the harp and playing the flute. You know, poor child. He just one day just, you know, was blowing, you know, whistle blowing. And now he's been, you know, now he's playing the trumpet. <laughs> that poor child should never strum his. I'm like, children, don't ever show any creativity in childhood because your parents will totally co-opted and abducted and make you do it for life <laughs> so be careful what you say you like I've always been fine with taking quite a pretty relaxed approach with with the, my kids interests until they show an interest in pushing forward then we'll just facilitate where they're at but then you're like oh what happens if I'm letting them down by not helping them realize their potential by not being the person who who pushes harder yeah, so let's talk about that so Again, I'm not saying just sit on the couch and do nothing. We live in a very fast-paced world. We do want to, quote-unquote, expose our children. But please expose your children according to what they kind of have an interest in. So start there and don't put the interest in their head, right? Like no child at three can ever say ever, legitimately say, I want to be an Olympian swimmer unless you put it in their head. So please take accountability for what you're putting in their head and whispering when they're sleeping. Go to the Olympics. Go to the Olympics. Right. So take take accountability for your brainwashing because we're so we're so innocent. We're like, I never told my child, but he just wants to swim underwater for 16 hours a day. No child ever said that. OK, unless you you told them that that was the way to to get great accolades. So take accountability, of course, expose them, but expose them very slowly in small ways. Please do not try to make them these high achieving careers, you know, have careers out of these hobbies and try to match it with the temperament of your child and who your child is. And why I say temperament is because even if your child loves to sing, but your child is not inherently driven, a driven child, which most children are not driven, let it go. Do it once a week. Call it quits. Like don't push them to be operatic, you know, prodigies when they're just like wanting to sing a little bit. So match it with the interest, the temperament. What is your child capable of? 
and then be ready to drop it if the child can does not want to do it anymore. Don't make it a big guilt tripping thing that, oh, I invested all these thousands of dollars. Take accountability that you did that. They don't have to do it for the rest of their lives now. They're not signing out their lives for this career. So keep it in balance. Keep it in perspective. Sure, push them a little bit. Say, hey, you know what? We signed up, but can you do it for another three months? Come on, let's just, you know, push it a little bit, but don't be like devastated and make it a big deal and tell them, no, it's the next three years or nothing. That's not fair. Um, And then in terms of that whole mythology of if I don't expose them to something, then I'm robbing my child of, you know, some genius life. That's a total lie. Because I, I, my belief is that if your child is the next, you know, Usain Bolt or the next Einstein or the next uh, Mozart, I promise you, they will become that despite you. They will, they will, they will find a way to go skiing backwards and be the best snowboarder. They will find a way. You, you cannot possibly try to expose them to every possible conceivable thing in the hopes that they will be the genius, whatever, trombone player. Who knows who your child is a secret what? We don't know. So you're going to, you know, maybe they're the best uh, Japanese speaker in the world, but you didn't expose them to Japanese. Now what, you're going to hit your head on the wall? Let it go. Stop trying to raise this genius child. See, that's the, that's the fear. What if my child is a genius and I'm robbing myself from being the mom of a genius? That's what our fear is. <laughs> It's so true. I wonder how many of these pushy parents are imagining themselves in the stands of, you know, Wimbledon or wherever and imagining the story that they've told themselves about being the parent of a Wimbledon player. Right. And how many things can you shove in your child's hands? A cricket bat? Maybe your child is actually the best cricketer. Oh, a tennis bat? A hockey stick? A lacrosse stick? Like what all are you going to put in that child's hands hoping that that will spark something? Let it go. It is what it is. It, if it didn't show up in this life, you know, let it be for the parents of, the, of your child's next life. You know, you, mm-hmm. let them have the glory. You, it's okay if you were robbed of this glory. See, what I'm trying to show parents is that it has nothing to do with the child. It has to do with us wanting some sort of glory. We want the medal. We want the limelight because we feel significant when we are in that limelight. Let it go. You know, what what are you going to, you know, how many things can your poor child do in a day? Maybe your child is the best potter. What if I told you right now, Clemmy, your child, drop everything your child is doing. I'm telling you, I see your child is predestined to be the world's best potter or glass blower. You want to drop everything? (laughs) You'd be terrified. (laughs) Because see, we, we, and what if the child said, you know what? I think I'm the world's best monk. Drop me to India right now, mom. I'm the world's best monk. You'd be like, no, there's no glory there. I'm not, you can't be a monk. I need some prizes. I need some trophies. I'm laughing so much. I've got one one of my children, before he does anything, thinks he's going to be the very best at it. He, he, he never is. And I just thought, I never say anything. I was like, okay, cool. I look forward to seeing your success. And I just love that he's been born with that innate belief that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going to try hockey tomorrow, and and I'm probably going to be the best person on on the pitch. Good for you. <laughs> um, and, and and that's great when he says it on his own. But also, we can just tell him, you know, be the greatest as at wanting to be the greatest, but you yeah. don't have to be the greatest. No. You know, keep just keep wanting it, but you don't have to be it. You know, mom is not great at almost anything. I always tell parents, tell your children how ordinary you are. 
that is yeah. a great favor you're doing to them so that when they do realize that they're also ordinary it's not a culture shock you know yeah i think there's a real thing that i'm learning in my 40s you can be rubbish at your hobbies you can do stuff just you know, just because you you like doing i'm not very good at baking but i persistently try and bake because i enjoy yes, it and and says at everything man it's just ridiculous this is a, a symptom only i believe of very modern culture like mm. the last 30 years that we need to be amazing i mean and because we have technology to be kind of amazing we want to be that right let's mm. fix the nose let's fix the jawline let's fix the earlobe you know let's let's keep tweaking ourselves and what we're missing in all this tweaking and aspiration is something very beautiful and poignant which is acceptance radical acceptance of the isness you know i i'm a, you know whatever i'm a rubbish football player i'm really not athletic okay let's enjoy that let's love mm. ourselves in being limited what a beautiful gift of acceptance like let's start accepting ourselves where is that in today's world and i teach that you know because i come from the east and and the eastern taoism and buddhism is all about flow and attunement and acceptance of the isness so i i come from that ethos and also about um long term learning of stuff you know trying to accelerate their learning into the first chapter of their lives isn't it lovely to have a hobby that maybe be a, be a lifetime hobby and that you 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 slowly practice and slowly evolve at but it's it's this hot housing which feels yeah wrong and i can tell you many children give up you know my daughter is one because i pushed her into a competition just once one time and I, she said you killed my love for horses because i pushed pushed her into a tournament into whatever it's called show what i don't even know what it's called jumping or something and uh, she was done with it so many children get turned off because we put so much pressure to showcase their talents uh, yeah. for external validation instead of teaching them do it for your internal love for it and then we complain why does my child not have internal validation well because you push them to only think that the external was important mm yeah why does it have to become a competition why can't it just be something that you're doing in in amongst all the, the work that you're doing and 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 generally trying to live a more conscious life so much of it is about becoming our authentic selves and it's a bit of an aside but as you've tried to become your authentic self, has that led to breakdowns of relationships? Has it led to big shifts in your life? Has it been an uncomfortable experience? A hundred percent. Because to awaken means to get out of dysfunctional patterns. So dysfunctional patterns often are with people you have dysfunctional patterns with. So when you break out of them toward health, they're going to be pissed off <laughs> because they they wanted a partner in the dysfunction and now you're not playing by the rules anymore. So you piss people off. Um but that is a sign that you are doing well. <laughs> Keep on moving. Uh and then the more authentic I get, the more accepting I get of myself and I also begin to fuel my own joy. so i don't suck on other people i'm actually much more pleasurable to be around because i'm not sucking on other people to give me that joy and validation mm-hmm. because i'm giving it to myself um but i also then when one becomes authentic you also become more independent but also more interdependent 
but you're no more dependent, right? You're less dependent and enmeshed. You're in, you, you choose beautiful interdependent dynamics. Um, you're freer, you're more empowered, and you're more accepting. So you're just more joy to be around. And you don't look to others as lacking because you're not projecting your lack on them. So for my daughter, I don't, I don't need her to be anything for me. I'm like, hell, you be for you. Please don't be for me. You know, do you. And in fact, I tell her more and more, like, please don't even look at me as, as a factor in your, in your equation. But you have to bear the brunt of your own consequences. I'll always be with you and support you. But you're not doing anything to make mom happy or mom proud, please. Yeah, I hear you um, interviewed saying that you, as a parent, basically effectively become more and more backstage in their life and, and then and then let them go. It's hard for me to imagine because I'm in the very early years. But with the authentic self piece, do you think part of the reason generationally perhaps that we're seeking it is is because of the way we were parented? Do you think traditional parenting stood in the way of our authentic selves? Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, traditional parenting is being married to the institution where you do it their way or the highway. So most of us have no clue what our authentic self is. We think we're living authentically, but we are not. I've never met a person born authentic who stayed authentic and continued to be authentic. People who are authentic or who claim to be, and no one is perfectly authentic, right? We, I still go back into my patterns. So the point is not to be perfect, but the point is to be aspirational. But you cannot be authentic without having at least one or two complete, you know, breakdowns in your life. Because you, what the breakdown means is that the old pattern is not working anymore. So if you've not had a breakdown, it means you're still working the old pattern. That means the pattern is working you and you haven't yet had this ultimate rock bottom moment. You have to have at least had one or two to have an awakening. And then, you know, either terminal illness, a divorce, a job loss, a parent loss, loss of someone deeply dear, uh, or your child is acting out to the point of complete shame. You're walking the hall of shame. That's a great awakener right there when your child is a total misfit. And you're like, damn, that's a great child to have because that child will totally blast you out of your ego. Um, so if you've not experienced any of these, you have to live a little longer uh, life will eventually break you down. That's the beautiful thing of life. You just don't want it to be too late where you go, damn, why didn't I have this breakdown mm -hmm. earlier? So don't be afraid of the breakdown. The breakdown is the breakthrough. Yeah, what does um, Dr. Nicola Perak call it? Like the dark night of the soul. It's always when, when everything feels like it's fallen apart, it's when it pieces back together. But as you say, actually, in terms of timing, rarely have we been through that before we become a parent just because we tend to have kids you know in a younger part of our life so yeah it's easy the further you get down the parenting line you think oh if only I knew this when I started out I might have done it differently. Right, but right and there's no regret because I wish I had done a million and one things differently so but then I have wisdom now wisdom and awakening doesn't come without the the price I always say for the prize of wisdom you have to pay the price of hell right of ignorance so you have to go through what you go through. This is just the journey of life. But if you're not evolving, then we have a problem. Yeah. If you're not growing, then we have a problem. So what about if someone's sitting and listening or reading your work and thinking, I just 
feel like I can't do this. I'm I'm so stuck in the idea that I'm going to fail my children because I, I don't feel like I have it in me to parent consciously. Is there um, some guidance for that? Yeah, you know, it's it's not something that I was born with or that anyone can just know. So if you feel like a failure, it's because it's incredibly difficult to parent consciously. It's easy to parent the traditional way, just scream, yell, punish, slap, slam, throw them into the basement. That's That was called great parenting. I call that terrible parenting and lazy parenting. Conscious parenting is freaking tough. No one can do it properly, but we can try. And when we start making these, these incremental moves, boy, the seismic changes are profound. So my book, The Parenting Map, helps you step by step. I give you 20 steps. I give you practice exercises. I tell you how. You know, this is the how to do it right. So buy this book, The Parenting Map, share it with your friends, have book clubs, and let's learn. Nobody taught us how to be good parents. We, we're just winging it. So obviously, you're going to feel overwhelmed at first, but eventually, you're going to become more and more proficient. You know, I have courses. I have written this book. I have an institute. You have to learn. I have to learn. I keep practicing. But no one told us we had to practice. So be feeling overwhelmed is part of the course, but then... You know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And this book, The Parenting Map, is that light for you if you want to be a conscious parent. Yeah, and I think there's something you said in there. It is an act of choice. And, of course, with anything that we have to learn, you have to opt in, A, to learn, and B, to put in into practice. Are there things that you see that really stand in the way of being able to uh, parent consciously? Well, I think it's the willingness because all of us are capable of it, but we need to be willing to, you know, learn, learn the skill of parenting consciously, do the work. So my book is three stages and I I break it down so beautifully. So everyone is capable of reading this book. So again, I said, it's only their willingness. Are they willing? Have they arrived at the precipice of this enlightenment that they, that they say to themselves, you know, she's right. I have never learned. I've never invested in my learning. And now I need to learn. And I need to do this for my children. And I need to do this for them because my parents never did it for me. What a beautiful gift we can give our children. There is no greater gift we can give our children than our consciousness. So this is my hope for all parents. This is why I write these books. So that one day they may awaken so that their children can be the children that we were never allowed to be. I'm wondering if there's a way of knowing, <laughs> knowing if you are parenting consciously. Is it is it a process of checking in with yourself? Is it a, a feeling that would be in the household? Is it to do with your relationship with your child? How would you know if it, it's something that is present in your life? Well, first you have to read about it because it is a new model. And then you have to implement it. And then you'll see it. You'll see it because you'll feel it. You'll feel fundamentally different than you've ever felt. You'll be like, wow, parenting is joyful. Parenting is easy. I can raise children who are empowered. I never knew. I have seen so many parents who have transformed their parenting when their children were in their teen years or in their early 20s, and they are in shock. How just by learning about this approach and being mindful, they show up so differently and there's a ripple effect in their parenting, just a whole ripple effect. Mm-hmm. 
because we've got ourselves in these spirals of these ideas that we think, as we touched on before, these ideas that we've been educated to believe are the right ideas, whether that's career trajectory, how you perform at school, how you perform in a in a room full of people. And when you let go of those, everything else begins to take on a different shape, I suppose. Yes, and many parents who you know, face the terminal illness in, in anybody's terminal illness or come close to their child being terminally ill, those parents are conscious parents because they get it. They're like, wow, I've been focusing on rubbish. I have just been in control and fear mode and now I'm going to live in this beautiful way. So conscious parenting is that kind of wake-up call for you. It's akin to if you're about to die and you got all the wisdom on your deathbed. This is that kind of profound wisdom for parents. It's life-changing, it's earth-shattering, and it's it's just so rebirthing and renewing. It's phenomenal. That's why I can do it. I talk about it ad nauseum because I've seen it work and it's so profound. Yes, and I think it also shines a light on some truths about if I'm honest, the bits of parenting that are hardest are the bits when I'm distracted, are the bits when I'm trying to do things for myself, and that's not inherently wrong. But I'm trying to have a career, or I'm, yeah, trying, yeah, trying to do things for myself. And actually, as you, to go back to the very day to day, clean your teeth, put your shoes on. If you quietly help them put their shoes on, or you you repeatedly explain to them why we do need to clean our teeth, there doesn't need to be shouting or conflict because it's only stressful when I've got this idea that we must be out of the house in this time and in the way that I imagine. Exactly. So we don't give enough room for children to be children. It's like a puppy dog. If you have a puppy dog, I mean, not to say that they're comparable, but it's a little bit like that. Mm. And you need to poop the dog before you go to work. Well, good luck, right? You'll wake up two hours before and run with the dog for miles because you know you can't control the damn poop. Mm. In the same way, you cannot control these little creatures. They're different. They take time. It takes creativity. It takes playfulness. Are you playing with your children? Children don't know how to talk. They know how to play. So if you did everything through play, you'd get all the cooperation in the world. But see, that takes effort. Hmm. That's so true. Yeah, it's so true. If you want to get them to get walk to school yeah you just you have to do different kind of steps with them and make a yeah do sing when you do it and of course they come along it's when you're dragging them exactly and you're making it stressful and you want them to you know do 10 things before they leave for school we we have such unreasonable instances uh and expectations that we impose on our children before they're even like awake, like we are like, do the, do, 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 do. <laughs> we're so coming from adult mind um, that we are missing who children are and how to meet their needs. And my whole section three about uh, in this book, The Parenting Map, is about who is your child truly and how to meet your child truly. And when you when you flow with your child, like the Taoists say, you know, you're, if you f- attune and you flow with the path of least resistance, you will get the most cooperation. Mm. So that's why my work is so important for parents is because I show them how they are creating the resistance by their controlling energy. If they just did it a different way, there would be no resistance. Your children would actually be, be quite cooperative. So we overparent, over control, over interfere, over manage, and then we get resistant children, obviously, because children like any adults don't want to be controlled. 
And also, and what I'm hearing is that we're putting our energy into the wrong places. You know, if we put the energy that we might put for getting grades or potentially becoming an Olympian, and we put that energy into into gameplay and talking to them and, and being things and adapting, you know, either way, parenting is a high energy occupation. So it's about using your energy in the right way, I suppose. Correct. Instead of taking them from the present moment to a future outcome-based moment, which is rigidly focused on achievement and success and a rigid outcome, instead, build your connection with them, have fun, be creative, be playful, and then outcomes will come. Outcomes will come from the child who is secure, the child who loves themselves. A child who loves themselves, let me tell you, will not be a quote-unquote deadbeat. They will want nice things for themselves. They will want a warm bed. Yeah, they may not want a palace like you may want for them, but they will take good enough care for themselves because they love themselves. So your acceptance of them is where it all starts and we're doing it all wrong. Yeah, and then they don't, they won't be seeking for this authentic self because if you look at any small child, so often I just look at them and think, wow, you're, you're full humans already. You get it. You get more about the world than I do. You're more centered in yourselves. And actually, if we allow them just to carry on as that rather than trying to squash them into any kind of box, and they maybe exactly. don't have to, have to spend their life unpicking it. Exactly, exactly. You got it. And 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 we don't know this. So parents don't need to feel ashamed when they hear this. They need to feel inspired mm. and run and buy my book, The Parenting Map, and start this movement and be on this journey with hundreds of other parents in the world. You know, now conscious parenting is a movement. So I need your help and I need the parents listening to this help to start changing the parenting paradigm so the future can look different for our children. Yeah, you're right. You've got to come from a place of not being overwhelmed by it, but be excited by it because, you know, children are a gift, aren't they? And we, we do want we, we want them to have a beautiful life. And that isn't to say a happy, perfect life because, as we said, the difficult bits are a gift. But, we yeah, we want them to have the life that, that is destined for them. That's our job as parents. Yes, exactly. You know, pu- pushing someone to be someone they're not is a, the biggest energy drainer. And so many of us have grown up living in this false self, trying to please our parents to get validation. Then we have to go through a whole rock bottom moment and then come alive. That's what I had to go through. Let's bypass that for our children so they don't have to go through down, you know, lose themselves only to find themselves. Let's just keep them with themselves. They already are found. Let's not lose them to themselves so that then they have to go on this big journey, alcoholism, drug addiction, bad relationships to find themselves. Yeah, I feel I feel inspired by it. And I hope I'm going to put it into practice when I go and try and do bath and bedtime very shortly. I've got a question for you about, about legacy. So I've been listening to a lot of your work and actually something that really helped me today was that reminder that all you have is 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 the now and just you know stop projecting for yourself but also for your children and oh no is the way my five-year-old is behaving now how will she she be as a teen how will she be just think about now but in that that idea of now how do you think about your legacy and and what the work you're doing do you have ideas about 
how it continues beyond you and then also the legacy of your child or or, or is legacy not something that interests you it's really not something that interests me yeah i i actually spend very little time thinking about it i think uh you know i'm doing this because it it fulfills me right now and of course though conscious parenting is now its legacy it has its own legacy out into the world and i'm so blessed that i'm connected to it it will keep moving on if it if it inspires parents i have a coaching institute where i coach parents to do coach coaches you know humans they don't have to be parents so anyone listening who wants to do this work out in the world they can join my institute so that's another way to keep the legacy going but i i don't think in terms of my daughter being my legacy i think of her being you know her own legacy and uh i don't like this idea that we parents have that we're creating this you know legacy that is so pompous and arrogant to me uh that i cringe when i think about it yeah i was uh, very interested in that as well because yeah that I, I feel very grateful actually whenever I've had my kids I've always felt like they're outside of me I really have I think that they made that known as soon as I had them and actually before I'd had a kid I always imagined parents evening would be nice for your ego but whenever I hear anything positive about them I just think good for you and yeah maybe it's good because I managed to give you some cereal in your tummy and your clothes on your back but other than that it's, it's their doing isn't it yeah, I have this uh, paragraph in the, it's a little poem. Let me read it. It's just connected to what you said, um, which is so correct. I, I write, um, it's, it's just part of the poem. Hmm. There is nothing I can give you for you already house the sun within, iridescent and prismatic, inexhaustible and powerful beyond measure. I may give you birth and hearth, but without a doubt, it is you who have given me life and an awakening I could never have imagined on my own. And therefore, it is you who are my ultimate soul retriever. Right? Let's get it straight. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's our children who are geniuses and amazing human beings just as they are. And we need to learn from them. So let's not have arrogance that we are anything more than just, you know, allowing them to just be safe, have a home provide for them but their soul is on fire we we are the ones who keep dousing it out so let's just keep their soul alive as it should be and stay out of their way and they will actually be far better off yeah that's so true and just enjoy being witness to it rather than um uh, yeah rather than meddling with it it's making me cry it's ridiculous but it's so true our children are our greatest teachers and we have to constantly come back to that. Yes, yes. Two questions to end. Number one, where can people find you and and where can they find your work? So drshefali.com, drshefali.com. They can grab this book, The Parenting Map, uh, which just came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that'll be so great for, for, for the legacy of conscious parenting to get out there in the world. And they can join my Instagram page, join my coaching institute, take my courses. There's a lot that I have. And I have a huge audience in the UK, actually, and a lot of coaches from the UK. Uh, but always happy to have more. And then lastly, a bit of a whopper of a, com- a question. If you could have an honest conversation with one person, who would it be and what would you say? 
Well, it would actually be with my daughter. Uh, so, uh, you know, about how I've actually screwed up and let her down. And I just want her to know that I know and she should not feel like I don't know. Uh, I do try to already do that in bits and pieces, but I would love when she's older. And actually, you know, my fantasy <laughs> is that when she has a child, that she 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 gets it, and then she'll be more open to realizing what all I went through. Um, but that's just my ego, you know, wanting some some redemption. Ah, you see, it's not that easy. You see, ah, now you see. Okay, okay, now you're grateful. Uh huh. So uh, that's just all our egos, right? Like, because many parents come to me and go, when will our children ever realize? I said, first, don't wait for it. But if it was were to happen, it'll only happen after they have children. That's when all of us become really grateful for our parents. We realize, wow, this isn't a joke. Um, so yeah, that's just my fantasy. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. I think it's shared by lots of people. But um, yeah, you can't know until you know. That's, a, that's the thing with all of this. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for all the work that you do. It's, um, yeah, it's going to make a huge difference. And as you say, it's not about um, an egotistical legacy, but how amazing to have put a body of work out there that really might help shape a generation for the better. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, well, that was a... Um, fascinating conversation and actually one of these interviews where I'm really grateful for the body of research that I've had to do in order to prepare for it you know reading reading Dr Shivali's um, book and listening to some interviews with her and it I truly think it might shift the way that I parent I'm just reflecting you know saying to producer Steve off mic when they're shouting in the morning because people haven't cleaned their teeth and haven't put their shoes on that is because I've been disorganised, I haven't given them a good enough run up and yes they should know to put their shoes on by now but then again they're kids, they've got their whole life to do all the things that they should do and when my children are doing something they enjoy, whether that's baking or playing football, I don't have to I don't have to twist their arm into doing it, I only have to twist their arm when I'm trying to make them do something that I think that they should like and yes there's a bit about you know behaving appropriately but I'm, I'm even questioning that now and doing homework because you should but again once they've learned their own abilities and they feel confident in their own abilities then they probably will go ahead and do the homework it's interesting I'm gonna I'm gonna keep plowing on with this but I highly recommend reading it I know we've plugged it a few times but it's the parenting map I since having my first have really really actively gone away from parenting books because they caused my undoing in the beginning but this just feels like something totally different so I highly recommend it thank you so much for listening that's another episode of But Why Done please come and find us at But Why Podcast on Instagram I'm now going to go and do bath and bedtime and um, well not quite yet but imminently And it's going to be a real test of whether I can put this new conscious parenting into practice. Watch this space. Um, Catch you next time. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.